0: Welcome to Innovative Interactions, a show by Resemble AI, where we talk with makers, tinkerers, and creative people to find out about the tools, tricks, insights, and techniques they use to bring their best ideas to life. Everybody, this is Shane Small. We're very lucky to have him here today. I appreciate you, Shane. It was great meeting you yesterday. Uh, Zoe and I have been excited since Shane accepted the invitation. He's got a long history of success in the creative direction storytelling field so today we'll talk a little bit about uh, storytelling we'll talk about shane's background and we'll talk about the future of combining storytelling and experiences with technologies thanks very much shane I figure we get started thank here you, thank you for having me. Uh, so today you're the executive creative director of snapchat in charge of building out the originals on the platform but if we can take a step back uh, to a little bit earlier on in your career you were also the founder and creator of Exploding Kittens. And it's widely considered one of the best easy-to-pick-up games in history. Can you walk us through how that got started and how it evolved over time?
1: But I had created this game that we called Butter Boom, I think it was, for the um, as a as a digital game. Exploding Kittens actually came from a, a previous company where I had a, um, a a mobile app gaming company called Fantini. And we did a bunch of games like a Marvel game called uh, Kapow and a bunch of others that really, frankly, weren't that successful, (laughs) but I had created this game called Butter boom, I think we called it at the time. And it was just like a really simple um, game, but we never, we tested it a bit and I had it full fleshed out um, but never actually developed it as an app. When working at uh, Xbox, we had got to a point at Xbox Studios, I was there to actually look at how we can make shows, enhance shows by using the Kinect and the, st- um, the Xbox. And while we were there, the division ultimately shut down, and in that time, I was paid to stay there um, until they actually sh- shut it down, but I wasn't allowed to do any work. So I thought, right, let me get this game out that I had created Called a boom and put it like a sign two deck of cards and let us just play it around the office and see like if this is a fun game or not and so we started doing that and very quickly we realized not only was it a fun game but it became very competitive and feverishly vindictive in its in its experience in a fun way And uh, we started playing it more and more. And another friend of mine that worked there, we started developing it a little bit more, tweaking it here and there. I mean, it was already a developed game, but just like kind of balancing it a little bit. He went and he was playing it everywhere he went. And he went to um, Hawaii the one day and he said, like, he calls me from Hawaii and he said, listen, I've been playing with uh, this other guy called Matt, who was from The Oatmeal. And he said, like, he loves this game and he wants in. So I said, okay, great. We we don't have anything. We're not even doing anything with it. He said, no. What are you thinking? Let's put it on Kickstarter. So I thought, great. But he said, the only thing he wants to do is he wants to call it Exploding Kittens. And as soon as I heard that, I knew that's that's the title. Because for me, it's about storytelling, like, like you said earlier. And it's looking for that story that resonates with an audience and telling that story that resonates with an audience. And that's whether using ad, like advanced technology or different tools or even traditionally um, you want to tell a good story that connects and for me but a boom was eh, it was all right but exploding kittens was that, that hook that we needed um, so we put that on Kickstarter and um, I was actually starting another job the day we pulled the trigger on Kickstarter at a company called Echo, which is an interactive um, Um, like they make interactive live action movies and shows and commercials and we pulled the trigger that day and i was sitting in the office and we just watched the kickstarter go up and like in my head i thought a runaway success for this game would be like a hundred thousand you know if we raise a hundred thousand for this game it's a card game in this digital age we would be crushing it um, and within an hour, we had raised 300,000. And within, uh, no, sorry, within a, a few minutes, we had raised 300,000. Within an hour, we had raised a million. No, first day, we raised a million. And then by the end of it, we had raised just over 9 million. It was crazy. Oh, just under 9 million. So insane. So that was kind of the genesis of that. So it was a, a game that was built for a digital platform. Um, which we played just out of boredom uh, in an analog format, and then uh, put it onto Kickstarter, and it just became this runaway success. I mean, it's it's still surreal to me because I I kind of uh, had a friend from Germany who just like uh, called me and she sent me a photo of exploding kittens in front of one of the stores in Germany. It's it's insane, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. But- we we all know we all know about the game we're all witness to it and so it's really cool to have you here to talk about it and so you ended up at facebook for a while how did you take the experience of ex- exploding exploding kittens and kind of take that through your career what did you learn from that and what kind of came out of it in facebook
1: So I don't think Exploding Kittens for me was almost a tangent. It was one of those things that kind of happened on the side. It wasn't something that, it wasn't something that I even planned. It was something that I planned in the digital company, but it wasn't something that I thought would end up as an analog card game that we were hugely successful on Kickstarter. Um, But I think that the aspect of storytelling and applying storytelling to different media is probably the consistent uh, thing. Listen, Exploding Kittens was very different. Like for me, I created the game aspect of it. You know, my other partners, uh, Matt did the illustrations and another uh, partner, Mani Lan, kind of was uh, producing and uh, really drove the kickstarts apart. And so for me, when Exploding Kittens was coming out, and the huge success we had, I was still deadly nervous because nobody actually had played the game. They'd all just supported it basically through the the hype of Kickstarter. And so for me, it became very nerve wracking until people played the game and it was a successful game that I feel confident that, okay, at least my job there was done, you know, with with exploding Kittens and I delivered. Um, But as it applies to Facebook, I think it's more all the other aspects of, my, of, of what I've done kind of got me to what I was doing at Facebook. And what I was doing at Facebook was um, future casting. So I'd look at different technologies that Facebook is kind of um, doing outside of the site itself and kind of say, all right, here's things that will happen in, in the future. Um, so the stuff that I, work, I was working on there was going to be five to 10 years out. That we would only start seeing it so like my meetings were like episodes of black mirror and uh sometimes very terrifying and sometimes very amazing and exciting you know um so facebook was kind of uh, all the other things that i'd done so my career as diverse as it's been from marketing and advertising clothing gaming um trend forecasting all these different things that i did kind of all came together and those multiple facets of avenues that I had worked on kind of gave me the ability to look at the markets and the future of where things are going through technology and say, okay, well, here's a thing that this market could take care of utilizing this technology you're doing. And here's another area that could use marketing. And here's another area where it would really be good for retail stores. So it gave me a diverse platform to be able to uh, forecast where technology is going. Um, and, And that I think is kind of like more applicable to where I was with Facebook than Exploding Kittens was or is.
0: At Snapchat now, one of the things that you're responsible for is identifying ways that Snapchat can have original content, right? So one of the things that we talked about yesterday is that content has to be designated and designed for the platform that it's on, right? And Snapchat is very unique in uh, from the other social media platforms in a lot of different ways. So what's the process that you take yourself on when trying to plan creative or content for a unique platform, whether that be for Snapchat or advice that you'd be able to kind of share or think about for others with their platform?
1: So I think that the the key component for me is making things that matter, you know, Um, when when telling like when when I, when people come to me and say oh you know, i want to do a story in vr or i want to do a story using ar or i want to do branching narrative and you know you control the character and you do this and that or, or whatever the technology is i want to i want to do it on on the the phone versus on you know the tv or whatever it is my question is why why do you want to do that why do you want to use that technology I think, you know, a big mistake that a lot of people make is they lead with the technology and not with what the market wants or needs. And I think that becomes... It becomes dangerous because very quickly that can become a gimmick. So when I ask the question, okay, why do you want to tell a story that uses VR, you know? And if they answer me, well, because it's cool and you can look around then i'm like well can you tell that story if i take the vr component out and you can still tell that story why are you using vr or why am i making choices for a character and when i ask that question the answer i think that i always want to hear is because that's the only way you can tell that story the dna of that story requires that technology because that's when the story and the technology blend to make something meaningful. Like for me, I still think we're in the embryonic stage of doing meaningful content and telling meaningful stories that capitalize on the amazing technology that we have. And I'll hold up the phone, but it's everything from AR, VR, consoles, whatever it is. We have these amazing tools at our fingertips to tell amazing stories that could be really meaningful and infect people in ways that traditional or linear couldn't, but be just as meaningful, if not more so. And I still believe we're at the embryonic stage to uh, actually proving that out. And that's what I'm really trying to do. So I constantly look for ideas that use technology, but that is appropriate to the media or the platform that I'm using. So if I'm telling a story that's a phone-based, I've got to think about what that means in terms of formats, like vertical frame, in terms of the way people behave when they're using the phone, in terms of the... distractions that a phone gives me. I've got my mother texting me. I've got a bill that pops up. I've got all these distractions. So what does telling a story on this platform mean when all those distractions are there? And I think that's what Snapchat does really well. When looking at telling stories on Snapchat, we've got to think about all those um, those elements. We've got to think about the phone, the mobile aspect of it, the vertical aspect, all those Um, uh, distractions. And what Snap does really well is when they tell stories, they really grab you right from the beginning. You've got three seconds. You know, that first frame needs to be something that like, what does that mean? The second second is like, I can't believe that happened. The third second is like, what is going to happen next? And you just got to hold on to that person because the Snapchat user, is finger is hovering constantly to move forward or to click. They're leaning forward, they're engaging. And the thing that I love about that versus most of these other streaming platforms is that the audience is ready to engage and is poised to get involved. So if we can take Snapchat's platform and the tools that snap has you know the ar experiences messaging maps and utilize those and the behavior of the snap the snap user and use those and put it into a pot and mix it up to create a show that capitalizes on the behavior of the snap the the platform the way we use it the different tools that we have to bring the show alive through AR or to have branching narrative or to use a map and location of where I am that changes the story. That for me becomes really exciting. And if you can do it in a meaningful way that those components and those tools are driving that story and I feel responsible for the actions I'm taking or for the experience that I'm having that, Personal experience, I think that's where it becomes really, really powerful, you know. And we're fortunate also to be able to, you know, dabble a little bit with Netflix in in kind of helping define interactive content for them. Uh, I worked with Hulu on creating an anthology series and look at their platform and and kind of the way you know their audience uh, engages in their content
2: yeah, you mentioned you know the 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 one, two, three thing. that's actually really interesting. I was reading uh, this great article on how music has changed over the years and how, like maybe ten, fifteen, even ten, fifteen years ago, there was a progression to like get to the point where there's a chorus into a song or the beat drops, but you're kind of anticipating it. And throughout the years, the like music has changed, one become a lot shorter mainly due to Spotify and like mm. paying you per listen, et cetera. So they're incentivized in different ways. But also the fact that most of the time when people are discovering new music, they give it maybe 10 to 15 seconds before they're like, next song. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the musicians have to kind of change the way they think about about creating music. Is that, is that something similar to what Snap is also discovering? And like I'm assuming TikTok has some similar challenges where the attention span of most users is relatively short you got to show something almost immediately to them that's worthwhile
1: yeah what you're saying is exactly correct there's a lot going on and there's a lot of distractions and it's how can you hold on to to that and so i i love it i love the platform for that because it becomes a very interesting challenge to write a good story that does that snap episodes are predominantly five minutes long. You might have between eight and 20 episodes uh, that you can binge straight away. So you get your full movies length, but they're like five minute chunks. Right. And, and again, like I said earlier, you are, you're challenged by all the distractions that the phone brings. Right. Um, But the thing that's and the format, but the thing that snap does really well is they understand that audience and they understand how the audience engages with their their platform and so all those things like the three seconds and you know when you're trying to tell a story that uh you know you're building your character or you know like a lot of the times that i say with snapchat could you just go 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 you almost want to if you're gonna do i mean you just don't have the luxury of that beautiful pan shots and that emotion in the person's eyes as they're about to cry up if you want to build any character developments, I like to say that you build it while the character's running someplace. I mean, that's the way you kind of do it with Snap. I mean, that's not always the case. It's, there's various stories you can tell, but it's just, again, economize, strip down to the basics, get to the heart of the story as quick as possible, get to the meat of that story. Don't put any of the fluff. And that's what I love because you do, you get to the truth and to the spine of that story really quickly. And, what we notice too with snapchat is like number one they have an amazing audience like it's crazy they got like uh, uh, it's probably gone up from now but they have like 280 like million like users and like for some of the shows like one of the shows um on snap uh, called will from home which is will smith doing a talk show from home they had like 35 million views on that show. And that's just one of them. And there's, there's plenty of others in that, in that uh, realm of 25, 26 million views. And that's crazy. When you look at network audience, that's insane. And what we've also found with Snap is when you come down and you actually go down to the core base, because normally you have these big sparks in the pilot episode, but when you actually see the audience plan down and the ones that have stuck around, that's a healthy audience and they become very um, passionate about the show too. And they stick with it and they're very vocal. And and that's always always exciting, you know? Uh, but yes, yeah. uh, you've got to know your platform. You know? You've got to know how your audience uses that platform and then you've got to develop for that in a meaningful way. Again, too quickly using any of these fun technology enhancements or bits or tools uh, can become a gimmick. It's actually quicker, it's easier, much easier to become a gimmick than to actually do something meaningful. And my goal is to make meaningful content with this with these amazing tools.
2: Yeah, you said something earlier uh, and connecting the dots from what you said earlier to what you said now about um, you know, finding, finding what the market wants. Uh, it's a very, it's very um, business-minded approach to something like storytelling, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, one, it's uh, like, how do you figure out what the market actually wants in terms of like a story? Like, you're watching like a, a Netflix show and um, you know, most people complain about bad movies being too predictable. Uh, obviously when you're storytelling, you like, you know, um, Exploding Kittens had that effect of randomness. Like you flip the card, you don't know what's coming. Like, yeah, no player really knows what's happening next. Um, and, and, but there's a story being built, uh, around this randomness factor. Um, so like, it's hard to kind of figure out what the user wants maybe. And to that point of what you just said, where the, the execution that snaps done has, has been really brilliant. Um, something compared to maybe like Quibi um, where you you would think they also targeted short form content and it's still Will Smith or an equivalent celebrity building that kind of content. But what's, what's, what's the, what's the secret sauce that, that uh, maybe from your perspective, um, you know, maybe that they, that they look at the market too aggressively and give them exactly what they wanted. And that's not like, is there art, there's a balance between, you know, what, what, what the market wants and what you, what what you want to deliver to them? What they don't know exists yet.
1: You know, to be honest, I think it's a crapshoot. Like, I don't think anybody knows, right? I, I think if if we're being honest, I think what you do is you go with instinct and you go with gut. Exploding kittens again. When you ask me, like, we took a digital game. Well, I took a digital game. We made it an analog game, and we put it on Kickstarter. And I thought, okay, with Matt's audience, yeah, we could get uh some good money but i never thought that it would resonate in a tech environment you know that we're living in right now like it did i just never know now in hindsight when i put all the things together i go back and look i can go all right that makes sense now i see it but when doing it we did not all i knew is that i knew the game was super fun I knew that Exploding Kittens as a name and Matt's illustrations, that combination was good. Um, the Kickstarter, we definitely approached it in a very different way than Kickstarter had been used, and we broke records there with the most back Kickstarter of all time. I think it still holds that and was, I think, fourth highest monetized at one point, but I, I'm sure we, we, we're we probably down to like 11, 12 now or whatever, I don't know but we you couldn't you couldn't predict that i couldn't predict that success especially on a global and i think it's the same here you can't tell you've got instinct i think it's about being true to what you are doing and the story you are telling i think that's the only kind of thing that you can do so look at the platform and see does that story is the dna of that story does it mesh with the platform itself or the tools that you're using or the interactive components or the VR or the AR? Is that story the part of that DNA? Because sincerity is key. Like the story that we're telling is sincere to the platform and needs those things. It's not, we're just trying to uh, use it because AR is cool. You know, and we want to combine it that's where people see through that and they realize that this is a marketing ploy or it's a hook that they're trying to grab me with and you know for me the longevity of a product can't be sustained by those hooks those hooks will last they'll flash bright for a short period of time and then they'll get lost but longevity is with sincerity and you know as long as we're building content that's meets the need of the platform uh but the platform is supporting and driving that piece of content i think that's where you have the best chance of success so when you're looking at quibi for example now Kuby, you had a bunch of amazing people there, loved that business and i'm so devastated that it it didn't do well but when i look at some of the approaches that they made um and listen, there were also bad timing, COVID. Listen, there was a host of things that they went up against that was just unfortunate, you know? And there's so many amazing, brilliant people that came out of that company. But when I was looking at their content, me personally, I saw it Quibi short for quick bites. Again, very similar to Snapchat where it's short content. Get the, car- get the people in, And I'm on a commute, I'm in a waiting room and I'm going to watch something amazing for the next five minutes. And then I'm out and I might come back to it later. But when I saw the content that was on Quibi, a lot of it felt like traditional content. And all I wanted to do is swap it up and put it on my big screen, sit back and relax. And if I could have done that, I would have been happy. I would have been, I'm in with Quibi. I'll watch all the episodes because their shows were amazing. But I felt like they weren't built for this platform they were built and they were beautiful for a netflix or something like that um just maybe too short for those but they felt like traditional content on an untraditional platform and they were selling it as untraditional content and again that was you're right they had all the big names and they had all the the um they they were beautiful shows i just felt the disconnect was again the sincerity of what the platform was to what the content was, and that I don't know. That's just my two cents. So it might be, it might also be rubbish. <laughs> that's,
2: that's, <laughs> that's that's very that's very neatly put. Yeah, no, it's it's totally, really really neatly put. I I guess um, I think Matt was going to allude to this next too. Is what's next for for Snapchat? You're always trying to, you know. Uh, the, the social media landscape right now is very competitive, uh, as we all know. You know, everyone from LinkedIn and all the way down kind of tries to look at everybody and see what's going on. So you're uh, I'm assuming a large part of your job is to actually figure out uh, what's next in, in a creative direction. Is there is there something that sticks out to you uh, that with, with regards to Snapchat and its future that you're particularly excited about?
1: Yes, I mean, there's loads about Snapchat that I'm excited about just in general. Again, I, I'm, I've been hired and I only contract there, but I've been fortunate enough to do it for over a year now. Um, but I was hired in a very particular spot. Look at how can we create shows that capitalize on the technology that Snapchat has to offer that are unique to Snap and can only be viewed on Snap. So how do we create meaningful content that Netflix could never do because of the nature of the the behavior of Snap and its platform and the tools that it offers? AR, branching, all the things I've spoken about before. Now, what's exciting about Snap, just in terms of kind of their approach to story or their approach to content, Uh, shows and movies and whatever is that i think and and I, i i subscribe to this thesis is that they could be the next type of network you know not the like netflix was the next network outside of abc and cbs and i think snapchat could be the evolution of of the the network and what I think and what I'm excited about is just obviously the type of user that the Snap the, the snap user is, uh, the type of content that we could potentially create that I think like there's some demos that I'm working on that unfortunately I can't talk about too much now, but that I honestly believe changes the game in a way that like people will be surprised and go, oh my gosh, this is insane. You know, like I can't, I, I didn't think you could do this, you know? and that's what i'm excited about the kind of the the tools that snap has to offer the type of audience that snap is and the content that snap is creating that utilizes these these things so so again mine's very very small sliver and mine's around entertainment and content but and again i can't talk too much about what the future holds but there is so much there. There's so much fertile ground with Snap, in my opinion, especially for, for the stuff that I do, that is exciting. And I wish I could. I wish I could say a little bit more about some of the things that we're actually working on internally. Well, because well, it's it's. It, but it will come out. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be long, and we we'll have some of the stuff out uh, pretty soon. Yeah.
0: It'll be it'll be out in two hundred eighty plus million. We'll we'll know. it'll
1: be fun man and again even that portion so you have those 280 million but such a small portion if you look at 35 million from that is such a small portion of people are actually so the other thing that's super exciting is that market share of growing that audience because i think a lot of people don't even know that there's shows on snapchat nobody even thinks about shows but the shows on snapchat are actually really interesting and really cool and really fun and so once we kind of expand that audience, I think that's that too is exciting.
0: Yeah, and becomes uh, something where once people internally love it, right, and then it's the only, uh, like you're mentioning, there's a lot of similar streaming platforms that just, we have this show, and then it's like, once that show, you're done with it, if you don't find something else, you're off the platform. But like what you're talking about is building something that can only be done on this platform. And you need to come to this platform to have anything like it because of the way it's built. And I think it's brilliant. I think everybody needs to learn from that.
1: Yeah. I mean, but for me, again, this is, this has been my dream. I mean, I've been working with interact interactive content for the last, uh, I mean, I want to say 10, 15 years now. So in the space of building shows that are personal to the user and are interactive in some fashion, um, but I, I mean, I love the idea and what Snap could provide in terms of a platform is a story that I get into. Let's just say, like a Game of Thrones story, or whatever it is, whatever the story is, whatever story that that Vampire Diaries. Well, I don't, know. I don't know whatever, whatever anybody's into. But I'm into a particular show. And I watch it like I'd watch it, I I, I watch an episode here. But now what if that show is alive and the characters are alive and they can check in with me throughout the day through text messages and the story unfolds based on my response to the texts. And, you know, I get like, um, it all happens in real time. And then the next time I go to the next episode, the episode is different because of my engagement with the characters in real time throughout the day. You know, like ideas like that or stuff like that becomes very interesting where, you know, the story comes alive. And through all the different facets of my day and the engagements that I have uh, with my devices, I can check in with that audience through the story. And that becomes really interesting. And then my participation or response to those check-ins from the narrative personalize that story. So when I come to you and I go, man, I cannot believe that Jadarius, or whatever the name of the main character is in this particular story that I'm making up, um, did what they did. And then you said, no ways, didn't do that for me. And I said, no, what do you mean he didn't do that for you? And then we have a conversation and like, oh, I want to go back and see how I can get what you got. That sounds crazy. And so that becomes a collaboration now between me and you just from a narrative standpoint and then what if we take that one step further and you and I watch the show and play the show together so when you do something in the show it affects my character's um, story in the show and I have to respond so now we have a collaborative watching experience that becomes personalized based on our individual interactions with that show. Those are the kinds of ideas and things that I think become exciting. And I think Snap as a platform becomes, I think becomes that the platform that can really do that and do it well, because I think the audience that engages with Snap is ready for that kind of content.
0: You heard, you heard it here first. (laughs) The tech is not more important than the story. And, yet they go together. So remember, when you're putting together your next piece of content, come back here and listen to Shane, see what he has to say about how to go through the process. And remember, even with companies like us, where it's high tech, next gen tech, artificial intelligence, all the buzzwords that everybody has out there, virtual reality, it has to fit within the scope. Because at the end of the day, for we're not thinking about the end user, what's gonna happen, Shane?
1: Uh, it's not gonna work, it'll become a gimmick
0: you heard it there first thank you guys shane thank you for making the time and my uh, pleasure but uh, thanks for making that time and uh, stay safe everybody thank you shane cheers thank you for listening to this episode of the innovative interactions podcast for more tips from creatives and innovators or if you'd like to reach out to us visit resemble.ai and if you have a guest you'd like to hear from reach out to us at podcast at resemble.ai We'd like to thank Tony and Paul for the music on the show. Catch you next time.